glad you guys are here together with us this morning. My prayer for us as we continue to sing, as we hear from God's word together, even as we pray together this morning, that our love for God and our, our picture of who God is, our uh, understanding of, of this God that we serve grows and our love for him expands, that God would open up our hearts and give us a tenderness for him and for each other, for the lost, that we would truly love God and love people as a result of knowing him. Amen? Let's consider who he is this morning as we sing this next song.
joy shall fill my heart and I shall consider who you are as we consider what you have done for us through your son Jesus. Lord, would you be praised this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> Good morning. Welcome to Crosspoint. Uh, my name is Dave. We are grateful that you have uh, chosen to be with us and be together here this morning. First impression volunteers, you guys want to come up and start to pass out the connection cards down the rows. It's one card per household, and when your household's done filling it out, uh, tear it off, slide it in the left-hand pocket there, and pass it on to the next person. If you're the last person in that row, you can throw it underneath your seat at the end. If you're, this, is, this is your first time with us, we're grateful that you're with us. We love that you're here, and we'd ask you to fill out that gray section to help us know who you are and keep you in the know of what's happening around here. And then if you're a regular attender member, Fill out the top, let us know you're here as well. And then next steps, there are all sorts of next steps there at the bottom. Prayer requests for you to fill out. Baptisms are coming up in a couple Sundays on the 11th. And so uh, if that's the next step for you, mark that down. Community groups are also launching right now. And so uh, if, you wanna, if you're not connected to a community group, you can mark uh, that on there. And we will be in contact to try to determine the, the right uh, night, the right group, childcare or not, those kind of things and try to connect you to a group. So mark that as well. And with that thought, as you're filling that out, Kevin Funk, one of our elders and community group leaders, is going to come up and share some encouragement regarding community. Good morning. Uh, when Dave asked me to uh, share a little bit about community groups, I kind of jumped at that opportunity because of, of how instrumental community groups is to me and to my wife. Um, it really really played a huge part in me surrendering my life to Christ. 
Um, I know maybe many of you are maybe tossing up the idea of joining a group right now. Um, and it might make you a little bit nervous, but um, taking that step dramatically changed my life. And taking that step through Dave and Heather's door, that 2004 fall, I believe, um, was, uh, was really big for me. Um, the very moment I walked through that door, I really felt loved and accepted. Um, and that's, uh, that's a testament to Dave and Heather's heart and the way that they care for people. Um, this was huge to me because um, I was a huge introvert. In many ways, I still am. Um, but I would hardly say a word back then and, and really just kind of hid behind my wife going to church every Sunday. But God has grown me in many ways. Amen? <laughs> um, also, Christy and I, well, we got married in 2005. So we, we've been going to group a little bit at Dave and Heather's house and Brad and Erica's house as well. And we, uh, we got married uh, in April of 2005, and we ended up in the hospital that, that, uh, that terrible night. Um, we were attacked in our hotel room, and just to show you what perfect, perfect biblical community looks like, the entire community group showed up at the hospital along with many others here from Crosspoint and packed that waiting room and prayed and prayed. And prayed. Um, it was it was great to see, and you know, it just it's dear to my heart. Um, after a while, being with Dave and Heather at their group, and with Brad and Erica at their group, uh, Christy and I vividly have a conversation uh, driving away. After Dave poured his life into us and said, "You're going to be leaders one day," we we drove away. We're like, "No, <laughs> never going to happen." Nope. Um, we just kind of like laughed it off, you know, but uh, little did we know that God was preparing our hearts. Dave and Heather were discipling us um, into something that what he wanted us to be. Um, now, whether we we're members or leaders, um, God has taught and grown us in many, many ways. Um, being in group has given us an accountability to get into the word on a daily basis, weekly basis with our, with our members. Um, by being discipled by Dave and Heather, Brad and Erica, we now look forward to discipling others and, and living out that Matthew 28, 19 life. Um, we have grown immensely in our prayer, li prayer life. Um, it was very, very hard to pray in front of others when we first started going to Dave's group. Um, yeah, it just, just wouldn't happen. The heart starts pounding kind of like it is now, you know. Um, it started pounding and uh, eventually, you know, <clears throat> being asked over and over and just praying with God, God growing me inside and my wife and all. Now, we, now it's, it's just something we look forward to. We look forward to praying with others in our group. Um, we've built lifelong friendships and um, friendships that we will never forget, even though they may, may have moved down to Florida or, or wherever. Um, we just uh, really hold them dear to our heart. Um, I really, couldn't, I really just couldn't see ourselves apart from biblical community. It's just been a huge blessing uh, to our lives. Um, so, um, I don't know, just, um, it's, uh, just being a leader, whether being a leader or a member, um, I would just, if you're, if you're kind of on the fence about whether to join a group or not, um, there are many people here who, who love you and are, are ready to love on you and care for you.
Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, so this fall, we've got uh, different community groups going. Most of them are sermon-based, meeting throughout the week. Those begin uh, next Sunday. We begin a new series. The resources for those are back at Guest Connections, four bucks for a booklet. Uh, whether you're in a group or not, it's a great resource for you to take Sundays further. But we would encourage you to do that. Uh, there are also a few groups that we are partnering up with Eureka Bible uh, to offer together shared child care, shared locations, shared resources, uh, starting on October 2nd. Those are Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, um, a smart step family curriculum from Family Life Ministries, and then also Living by the Book, which is going to be taught by and led by Pastor Eric when it comes to, all right, what's it look like to live by the Word, to enjoy the Word, to read and study the Word, to get to know the Lord through His Word. And so all those are happening as well on Sunday evening starting October 2nd. So that's another opportunity for you. Just encourage you to do that um, to get into a community. Tonight, uh, we are encouraging all Crosspoint volunteers, seventh grade on up, to come to an event that we're calling Fuel. Whether you're serving or not, uh, we are saying, come on, let's go. Uh, maybe you're new to us and say, hey, I, I'd like to serve, but I'm not sure quite where yet. We would encourage you to come. Kind of like a grandmother does and making sure there's enough potatoes. We ended up ordering a bunch of cookies because I know some folks are like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to come until the day of. Well, we ordered some extra cookies, so we would love for you to come. Child care is available, 6.30 to 7. We'll enjoy some sugar and some, um, some coffee and water. And then from 7 to 8, we'll meet to encourage you to share testimonies, to worship, to pray together. All right? And then with that thought, with Eureka Bible thought, I want to share with you so you can be praying. This Sunday is Tom Swanson, their, their senior pastor. This is his last Sunday with them. Uh, he is retiring, or not, not really retiring, he's just being called into another ministry. And so I just encourage you, I'm going to pray for them here in a minute, but I encourage you to be praying for them as a church as they make this transition. Tom's been serving there for 20 years. Uh, he's a dear friend of mine, and uh, I'm grateful for his friendship, his partnership, and I want to pray for them as a church on this special Sunday for them. And, uh, and then we'll get into the message. Father God, thank you for uh, the partnership that we have with Eureka Bible, the friendship that's just kind of been built up through the years, not only through Tom and I, but through uh, among elder teams and among just families here and families there. And I pray that you would abundantly bless them as they walk through this transition of uh, finding a new pastor. And I pray that just in their uh, body that you would give them unity and a sense of mission and ministry and and thank you for the way that you've uh, created them, the, the way that they love you, the way they follow you as chief shepherd. And I pray that you would protect and guard and, and bless that local church, Lord, as they serve you and as they are fellow partners in gospel ministry. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday and today, we're taking a break from the gospel project to talk about prayer. Uh, as we move into another ministry year, we kind of do our ministry year from September to August. Uh, I just sensed a deep conviction that we needed to pause and talk about the subject of prayer. I've noticed in my own life a tendency toward prayerlessness. I was listening to a podcast earlier this summer and uh, the pastor was talking about, he was referencing a missionary pamphlet or a missionary that said that if our prayer life is meager, then we've seen it as supplemental rather than fundamental. And that was like this loving rebuke from the Holy Spirit when I heard that. 
As believers, we are often tempted to skip past prayer and jump to, all right, how are we going to solve this? What are we going to do? How are we going to plan this? And we do that, and then we go to prayer as the last resort. Or we try X, Y, and Z, and when X, Y, and Z does not work out the way that we thought they should, then we pray. Supplemental rather than fundamental. And what the Spirit wasn't doing in my life was laying this guilt trip on me. Conviction, yes. Guilt, no. So it wasn't, well, I guess I should pray more. And then what, what happened was this guilt-induced, begrudging obedience of, fine, oh, I guess I'll pray. It wasn't that. It was this conviction that I'd missed the joy of laying my requests before the Lord. I'd missed the joy of communing and relating to a Father who loves me and does not abandon me. I'd miss the joy of casting my cares upon the Lord because He cares for me. The joy of being known personally by our great God and invited to talk to Him in prayer. I shared this last week. I'll share it today as well. I long for us corporately as a church family, as a Crosspoint family, to grow in being more prayerful. I long for your households to grow to be more prayerful. If you're married, I, I, I long for your marriage to be more prayerful, that your workplace would be more prayerful, that students, as you walk through your schools, that you'd be more prayerful. And it's happening. It's happening among our high school students, I know. I'm praying it's going to spread. My title is uh, lead pastor, uh, which means more than just I talk a lot. It means more than uh, I preach a lot. It means that I'm willing to go first. That's what I'm coming to realize, that by lead, it means I'm willing to go first. So you could say that I'm also the lead repenter. I'm an under-shepherd of the chief shepherd, and so I begin first with, before I say, Lord, change their hearts, I say, Lord, change mine. Transform me, Lord. Make me more like you. When your spirit convicts me of, of sin and this where, I, where I've come into disagreement with His Word and calls me to agree with His Word, instead calls me to repent, to change my mind, then Lord, I want to have that kind of attitude that agrees with You. So when it comes to prayer and the Apostle Paul saying, pray continually, I repent, Lord, for my tendency to see prayer as supplemental rather than fundamental. To see it as a compartment to my life rather than an undercurrent to my life. When the disciples say to Jesus, teach us to pray, Lord, I want to agree with that and say, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray, Lord. So in some ways, I could sum up my heart for the coming year as this, teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to pray. Lead us to be more prayerful in our lives, not out of guilt, but out of joyful obedience and in response to the great love that we've been shown by the Father. Lead us to wait and watch expectantly. Lead our hearts to reflect what David wrote in Psalm 5, 1-3, which we looked at last week. It says this, Listen to my words, Lord, consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. That we cry out to our, to our God, who is our King, we take assurance in the truth that He hears us and that we'd be more prayerful and as consistent as the morning is each and every day. That we'd lay our requests before our Lord and we'd be in this posture that would wait and watch expectantly. 
that we would be a people who would wait on the Lord in anticipation with hope and with this confident trust that he has not forsaken those who he loves, and that he is at work. We talked last week that the point of the waiting and watching in prayer is that it would lead us to this complete dependence upon the Lord, an active dependence on God that patiently awaits his timing with confident expectation. As we move into our next year of ministry, we just turned 13 this week, so welcome to the awkward teenage years. This should, hopefully it's not a season of rebellion for us, but it's a season of, um, of sweet surrender. Um, that's our prayer as parents. That's my prayer as a pastor right now. But as we live out age 13, I believe this next year is going to be such this uh, really encouraging and really fruitful year of ministry and a church family. But it begins not with plans. It begins with prayer prayerfulness. And this morning, I want to look at six prayers I have for us in this new year. Uh, over the past couple weeks, I've had conversations with the elder team, with, with the staff of, okay, what are, what are the prayers that you have for your own heart, for us as a church in the coming year? And I've loved that conversation. I've loved those discussions. And so this morning is more of a reflection of not just my own heart and what the Spirit impressed upon me, but it's a reflection of of our leaders, and I've, I've loved to, to hear and see leaders who deeply love the Lord, who deeply love his people, and who deeply love those yet to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And so uh, today is more a reflection of, of not just me, uh, but various leaders around here. David prayed in verse 3 of Psalm 5, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. So what are the requests that we are laying before the Lord in the new year? The first is this, wake us. Wake us. Wake us up from our sleep, Lord. Wake us from our slumber. Wake us from our apathy. Wake us from our complacency. Wake us from our indifference. I believe there are far too many of us just kind of going through the motions of the Christian life. We're showing up to this, we're giving to that, we're serving here or there. Maybe we pray before meals. But if we were honest, the joy and the life and the vitality in our walk with the Lord is, is not there. We're just kind of sleeping our way through this life, hitting the proverbial snooze bar on spiritual things and the things of the Lord. The Spirit convicts us of something, exposes in us something that we need to repent of, some area of our heart that we are resistant to His Lordship on. The Spirit prompts us that in that as if it's an alarm clock and we say, mm, I'll do that nine minutes from now. Nine days from now, nine years from now, nine months from now. I'll do that some other time. I've got other things to be concerned about. And we've hit the snooze bar on anything spiritual. But just like an alarm clock is, at least mine is, the alarm on my phone, it is relentless. It's relentless. And so the Holy Spirit is relentless in pursuing us. Why? Because He is for us. Because He is madly in love with you. Because He will not allow you to, to be stunted in your growth. He will relentlessly pursue you and I until we come to a place that says, yes, Lord, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He's going to finish the work that He's begun in us. He will not allow our sleepiness or our apathy to get in His way. He will break through. He will break through. 
And He will continue to call us to wake up. Wake up to His presence. Wake up to His truth. Wake up to His power. Wake up to His unfailing love. Wake up to His leading. You might remember the story of Jesus uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Matthew 26 tells the story. And Jesus' arrest is right around the corner. And verse 36 says, Then, then Jesus went with His disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And He said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And so he goes over and prays. And then you skip to verse 40 and it says, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men watch or couldn't you men keep watch with me for an hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He then proceeds to go back a second time to pray, comes back sleeping, goes back a third time to pray, comes back and then they are sleeping. He continues to call this out on them. It's like the disciples are hitting the snooze bar. Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we can dog on the disciples, right? That's, that's an easy thing for us to do. Like, oh, Jesus in the flesh, what are you doing? And yet, if we just pause for just a millisecond, we identify with them far more than we don't. Christians are notoriously sleepy. This is why we're called to be watchful, to be aware of His work, to be aware of the, that the Spirit is alive and active. Christian, where is the Spirit at work in your life calling you to wake up and you keep hitting the snooze? You keep falling back asleep. He's asking you to lead here, serve this, walk in faith here, trust Him in this area, repent of this, lay aside this, whatever it is. Maybe you've allowed the, uh, the devil this foothold in your life when it comes to temptation and you've stopped kind of being on guard and through your slumber, the enemy of your soul has this foothold, this, this area of sin in your life that you've thought, I can control that. I can maintain that. I can keep that on a leash and it's out to devour you. You've let down your guard. You've allowed a foothold. And the Spirit is saying, that thing needs to be put to death doesn't need to be played with or kept on a leash. It needs to be put to death. Lord, wake us. Wake us from our apathy. Wake us to this glorious joy that it is in trusting in and following and daily worshiping a God who is truly awesome. Lord, wake us to the reality of who you truly are. I pray the Lord would wake us and stir up our affections for him where we have idolized and, and, and misplaced our affections on other things or other people or other habits, whatever it is, that, he, that we would stir, He would stir up our affections for Him and the things of Him. To the person here who doesn't know Jesus yet as Lord and Savior, my prayer for you is that you'd wake up to the Lord's invitation to trust in Him. Today's the day of salvation. Don't hit the snooze bar on this one more day. Ask Him to save you today. Experience what it means to be free in Christ, to find forgiveness, to find new life in Christ. Lord, wake us. The next prayer we have, we are laying before the Lord, is humble us. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's so easy to find pride in the life of our hearts. But the longer we follow Jesus, that, that sometimes we are tempted to become spiritually proud as if we had something to do with our salvation. As if our, our outward obedience was enough to bring salvation to us. 
or because we've found victory over this area of our life, then we look down upon anybody else who's still struggling with that instead of coming alongside them to say, I'll bear with you your burdens and I will help restore you to the Lord gently. I pray that instead of pride, we would clothe ourselves with humility toward not only the Lord, but one another. That there would be this brokenness about our spirits, a sense of teachability and humility that is reflective of the Holy Spirit's power and at work in us. Humility is a mark of a true Christ follower. It's a hallmark in the kingdom of God. John the Baptist prayed as Jesus' earthly ministry was beginning. He prayed, he must decrease, I must, or he must increase, I must decrease. The Apostle Paul calls us as God's people in Colossians 3, because we are holy and because we are loved by him, that out of that identity we would clothe ourselves with compassionate hearts kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul says in Ephesians 4.3 that we bear with one another in love with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Jesus talks about in the Gospels that if we are out to exalt ourselves, that one day we'll be humbled. But if we are out to exalt Him, if we're last in the kingdom of God, that at one day in heaven we will be exalted which is a reflection of Philippians 2, which talks about Christ, which says, starting in verse 6, that though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he, hum he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The follower of Christ seeks to become like Christ in his humility. We're charged earlier in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or, or conceit, but in humility count others, or count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I pray among us as a Crosspoint family that we would be a people who would seek to reflect humility, that we would reject selfish ambition. We would count others more significant than ourselves. We would be out to, how can I serve you, rather than out to, how can you serve me? Humble people say, I can't do this on my own. I need help. Humble people say, I've got room to grow. Humble people say, I'm in sin and I need to repent. Humble people say, my heart needs shepherded and cared for by someone. Humble people say, I'm not here so that my needs can be met. I'm here to serve and meet the needs of others. Again, for the person here who doesn't know Jesus yet as Lord and Savior, my prayer for you is that you'd humble yourself before our great loving God that you, you'd experience the beauty that it is that, that an all-powerful, all-holy, all-perfect God would extend to us grace and mercy through His Son. Humble people pray the next prayer, Lord, change us. When we give our lives to Jesus at the moment of conversion, we are changed. We are given the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us. Our heart of stone is removed, replaced with a heart of flesh. Our sin is covered by the blood of Christ. We've been born again. A new identity is given to us, changed in an instant. And then for the rest of our lives, we continue to experience change and growth because what he has begun, he will be faithful 
to complete. You see in places like Colossians and Ephesians, this idea that the Christian spends the rest of their life by the power of the Holy Spirit through the truth of His Word to put off this and to put on this, to put off the things of our old way, our flesh, and put on the things of Christ. So in Christ, we have this new identity that calls us to live for Him and not ourselves. Because we placed our faith and trust in Jesus and His work on the cross, we are considered spotless, blameless, holy, righteous, because His blood purifies us from our sin. But what we won't find this side of heaven is perfection. We will experience the effects of remaining sin, that old habit in our life, that old way of thinking, that old way of of life will try to reclaim room in our hearts. That bitterness will try to entangle your heart. That pride and selfishness will try to take up new ground. And what can happen in the Christian's life is that we begin to tolerate this ever-widening gap between what we say we believe and how we actually live what we say we believe, and how we actually live. Or we get really, really good at cleaning this up, dressing this up, covering this up with our own good works or our own various ways that we try to justify this widening gap between what we say we believe and how we actually live. We can begin to justify it and say, well, well, I won't reach perfection this side of heaven. But that that, that is not an excuse to just tolerate this widening gap in your life. The goal for the Christ follower is not to become a better version of yourself. It's not to become a new and improved version, the version 2.0 of you. The goal of the Christ follower is to become like, like Christ, like Him, with our thoughts and our relationships, our attitudes, our words to reflect Him. Jesus prays in John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That, that process of growing in Christ-likeness is called sanctification. And so that change happens by the power of the Holy Spirit through the word. The word is truth. The word is what changes us. The, the truth of that is what conforms us into His image. And so if our prayers change us, then we must be people who delight in His Word. We must be people who delight in His Word. Otherwise, we're going to be pulled toward comparing ourselves, pulled away from this and and pulled away from that and beginning to, to, well, I'm better than they are. And then we're just trying to become a better version of ourselves instead of being conformed into the image of Christ through His Word. Our prayer is not that, that we'd be settled or that we'd be stunted in our growth but rather that we would say lord change us lord we don't want to conform to this world we want to be renewed by the or we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind lord change us is a picture of what we see in hebrews 12 1 and 2 which says therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What needs to be laid aside in your life right now? What sin is is clinging far too closely to your heart? 
And let's not just reduce the, the sins that we are thinking of to those that we do with our, our hands or those that we do with our eyes or our mouths. Let us also bring to light the sin that is prone to cling closely to our hearts secretly. Cynicism, anger, bitterness, slander, hate, doubt, unbelief. You don't find any of those listed in the fruit of the Spirit because they're all a fruit of the flesh. So may we be people who say, Lord, change us by your power. We want to lay this aside. I pray and our prayer is that the Lord would just give us a a sweet, tender spirit of repentance that would sweep across this church. That would sweep across your heart and my heart and your household's heart. And then, as a church, could we encourage one another as we see the Spirit at work? I, I, see, I see the Spirit at work in your life. Can we verbalize that? Wake us, humble us, change us. May the Lord also anchor us. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the che- teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Infant to maturity, tossed back and forth to being anchored. So as we pray and ask the Lord to change us, he's in the process of maturing us in our faith, of anchoring our lives so that we won't be tossed back and forth by the circumstances, nor by false teaching that would pull us away from the gospel. Another illustration or picture that we see in the New Testament is the the Christian's life is to be rooted in Jesus. It's the same idea as an anchor to to a boat, that our faith in Christ would not be the superficial thing, but our faith roots would go down so deep into Christ and be so strong that they wouldn't be ripped out by the trial or by the test or by the storm. That those deep roots would lead to this flourishing above the ground and in our lives even in the midst of suffering. Just looking at a few of Paul's prayers recorded in the New Testament, he says this, Colossians 1.10, he's, he's praying that we might grow in the knowledge of God. And then Ephesians 1.17 says that, uh, that he's praying that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you and I may know Him better. To be anchored, to be rooted, means we know our God better. That we will not just know about God, but we will know Him personally. And again, in order to do that, we must delight in His Word. Too often we say, Lord, teach me who you are, while our Bible sits on some shelf over there. He's given us His written Word, and that we delight in that, and we begin to know who He is, and then that leads to not just this knowledge that remains there, it leads to this love for him this worship of him to be anchored to be rooted means we will know our god better we will not just know about him but we will know him personally and the more we know him the more our lives will not be tossed back and forth 
As our knowledge of God increases, so may our love and worship of God increase. We can't love someone we don't know. But the more we know God through His Word and through His Spirit, through what He reveals to us in creation, the more we love Him. Paul prays in Ephesians 3, 17-19, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's like the balance to grow in the knowledge of God. And then that would lead us to this, this love that we can't even grasp how wide, long, and high, and deep it is. A love that surpasses knowledge. So it's not this either or, it's both and. Grow in the knowledge of God and experience His great love. So may the Lord anchor us. May we be rooted in who our God is alone, growing in the knowledge of Him, growing in our love for Him. May the Lord also unite us. Unity within the family of God is talked a lot about in the New Testament. Philippians 2, 1 and 2, 1 Peter 3, 8, Colossians 3, 14, Romans 15, 6. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 calls us in the name of Jesus that we would agree with one another that there be no divisions among us. In Philippians, we see Paul charging this church to settle this issue between two women who are disagreeing, that we would be united in the same mind. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Notice that Paul says maintain the unity of the Spirit. So in Christ, believers, we've been given the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. In Christ, through the Spirit, we already have unity. It's not something we have to manufacture. It's something we, we get to maintain. It's something we guard. And to do so, it will demand that we pursue, according to verse 2, humility, gentleness, patience, and a posture that says, I'll bear with you as you bear with me. Too often the local church is marked by divisions and splits and factions and dissensions, and none of which reflect the unity of the Spirit, none of which reflect Jesus' prayer in John 17 that the world would know us by our unity and by our love. So unity means that we live in a way that is dependent on one another. That we'll live in community with one another. That we'll gather with other believers for meals. That we'll gather to delight in the Word together. That we'll be in the body of Christ. We'll be in community in the body of Christ. We'll, we'll see that as too important for us not to do. And we will say, let's get it on the calendar. Let's prioritize how are we going to be in community with other believers not in a superficial sort of way, but in this depth. I'll pray for you, you pray for me. Let's delight in the Word. Let's apply it to our lives. Unity means we'll speak the truth in love, that we'll freely forgive because the Lord has freely forgiven us, that we'll live out Galatians 6, 1 and 2, that says that we'll gently restore someone who is in sin and that we'll bear with one another, we'll carry one another's burdens, that we'll reject gossip and slander and horizontal talk, that when we've been wronged, we will go to that person directly and say, I'm, I'm hurt, and we'll go in humility. 
And when we have wronged someone, we will go to them in humility and say, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? This fall, we're asking every current member of Crosspoint and everybody new to Crosspoint who desires, to, desires membership to go back through Discover Crosspoint. We're going to offer one in September, October, and November. Three different sessions, not their one session standalone times, but three different times trying to catch everyone. And our hope for that is to align us to, or just remind us what it looks like to be a member in the family of God. What it looks like to live in the family of God and the mission and the ministry that we've been called to. Wake us, humble us, change us, anchor us, unite us, and finally send us. Jesus prayed and uh, prayed to the Father in John uh, 17, verse 18. As you've sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. The life of a Christ follower is that of a missionary, of being an ambassador for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, uh, for God uh, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be... Translations just messed me up. He He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Earlier in the chapter, you read that we are compelled to be ambassadors because of his great love. His love compels us to show and tell of the good news, to show and tell contagiously, lovingly, and boldly. The life of a Christian is a life of being sent. Sent into the world, sent into your school, sent into workplaces, sent into your kids' activities, sent into that store, sent into that cross-cultural experience, sent into that country. You've been divinely appointed to all the places that you go for such a time as this. You've been uniquely placed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be an ambassador, a witness for Christ. You are not where you are by accident. When it comes to showing and telling of the good news, we are often stuck in, in fear of rejection. Or what will they think? Or will I be able to answer all their questions when I share my faith? Or we are stuck in hopelessness and cynicism. And we think, well, they won't respond. They won't be open to it. Have we forgotten that the gospel is the power of God at work for the salvation of all who would believe? Romans 10 tells us how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet. We've forgotten that. And that Romans 10 also tells us that for all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, send us. Listen to Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So again, we see that it begins with prayer. Lord, open the door for the message. You give me the words to say and help, help the good news to be clear. You help me be wise in how I act toward outsiders. Help me make the most of every opportunity, Lord. Lord, help my words and tone to be full of grace, seasoned with truth. We want to be ascending church, a church full of people who are convinced that being sent is a way of life. It's not something they do. 
It's something you and I do together. So Ascending Church sends out cross-cultural missionaries and sends out church plants and sends out children, students, and adults week in and week out to be scattered the other six days of the week. In Luke 15, we read that Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. I pray that we would reflect that same passion and pursuit and love that where we have settled to this mentality of inward thinking and a sense of fear or reluctance or unbelief, that we would repent of that, that the Lord would wake us and that the lost would be found. Over the past few weeks, repeatedly, and this last week was no different, I'm being tragically reminded that life is a vapor. We can't be sleeping on this anymore. We can't be indifferent to this anymore. You've been uniquely placed into families and friend circles and schools and workplaces, not to just take up space, but to be an ambassador, to be a witness, to show and tell lovingly, contagiously, boldly. We must be a people who recognize that we are sent to share the hope and love of Jesus. Jesus said in uh, Luke 10, too, he's sending out 72 people for mission, and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Crosspoint, may we be people who say, we'll, we'll go, I'll go. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how to do this, but I'll go. Here I am, send me. I'll show and tell of the gospel. I'll pray for the doors to open up. I'll pray that my words would be clear. I pray that my tone and my words would reflect deep love and deep grace and deep truth. If the team wants to come back up now, in the morning, David prays again, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. So we're moving into this new year of ministry with anticipation of how God will work and move. We are anticipating a year of, of life transformation and God-glorifying and kingdom-advancing work. Over this next year, we're praying about taking steps to, toward what a phase two building and those kind of things would look like. And we're excited about this next year. But it begins with prayerfulness. It begins with us laying our requests before the Lord. It begins with asking the Spirit of God to be at work in great ways. And so as we move back into singing the next few songs, taking our offering in the course of that, and as we move back into this, may we lay before the Lord our requests. Where we are sleepy, where we are indifferent, that the Lord would wake us. Where we are proud, that the Lord would humble us. Where we are in sin, the Lord would change us. Where we are tossed back and forth, that the Lord would anchor us. Where we are divided or isolated, that the Lord would unite us. And where we are indifferent or apathetic or fearful, that the Lord would send us. So let's stand up, let's sing, let's worship, let's respond to the Lord in song.
sing Majesty song together and maybe maybe the spirit is at work in you today maybe something that was said here has convicted your heart and I want to just want you to know something Um, conviction only leads to joy when the gospel is in full focus amen otherwise it just turns ourselves back on ourselves and like Dave said I just need to do better I failed here do better next time. No, the purpose of conviction is not to say, look at me, it's to say, look at him. Amen? God is able. He is able, and he's proven that through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Let's sing about that this morning.
we thank you that you are able. Lord, you have done everything for us. You have done it all. God, there is nothing left for us to do but surrender, to come humbly before you, to seek your face through your word, by your spirit, through your son Jesus, who you freely gave for us. God, thank you for that amazing, amazing love. We love you, God, and as we go this morning, would you help us, Spirit, descend upon our hearts this week and fill us up to overflowing with a deep love for you, for the people that cross our paths. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are dismissed.